everyone. This is Jeff Goot from Stone Temple Pilots, and you're listening to Appetite for Distortion with Brando on iHeartRadio. And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 140. It is Brando. Thanks for hanging out for another edition of this Guns N' Roses themed bar mitzvah party podcast thing I have going on, the Six Degrees of GNR Bacon. And before we get to uh, today's guests, two interviews this episode, um, just another way GNR kind of infiltrates my life. Last night, I got to see uh, Ringo Starr and his all-star band at a great venue here in New York City I haven't been to yet, Pier 17. I believe Slash and Miles Kennedy played that last year. But the uh, the drummer of of Ringo, which sounds weird because you know Ringo's a drummer, uh, but his other drummer, Greg Bissonette, who's I think he's uh, Grammy award winning. He's worked with so many different like amazing acts. Uh, he was wearing a uh, Todd Dammit Kearns uh, shirt, the the Dammit Batman logo. If you've ever seen that shirt, so just a random GNR thing that came into my life last night that nobody else realized, but me. Anyway, uh, let's get to uh, today's episode. Uh, second interview is going to be with Jeff Goot, uh, lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots. Now, when I was lucky enough to be offered that opportunity, uh, the rep said, you know, do you, have you heard this band Like Machines? Uh, they're an awesome rock band from Atlanta, Georgia. They get a ton of, of airplay on Sirius XM. And since she knew of my six degrees of GNR bacon, she's like, the lead singer is this massive Guns N' Roses fan. So I said, yeah, we got to get Andrew Evans on. Of course we do. Because we can talk to all these old guys who worked on the Sunset Strip and all these, you know, maybe bands who've been around for a very long time. But what we often, well, at least what I often say, Andrew, is that, What's the next band? Who's the next rock star? You know, I can't be doing a GNR podcast for the rest of my life. I mean, I guess I can. I mean, if Ringo is still doing it, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Frank Ferrara will still be doing it in the 70s. <laughs> yeah, Keith Richards' podcast going. That'll last forever. Yeah, I know. It's Even after the world ends. That's what they say in a nuclear holocaust. It's uh, Keith Richards and uh, cockroaches. That's what lasts. And Twinkies. And Twinkies, yes, as we learned from Zombieland for sure. So, Andrew Evans, welcome. I, I really appreciate you taking some time to speak with me today. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. You don't have an accent, from what I noticed. Are you based, Are you from Atlanta, or is the band from yeah, Atlanta? Yeah, from Georgia. You know, if I have a few beers, I'll probably get an accent. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, if I get too excited, my uh, Long Island comes out and water, dogs, coffee. So I, <laughs> I try to focus on not sounding like uh, like Linda Richmond. Uh, so, first things first, I actually, it sounds corny, I like the name of the band. So many artists today have just a, a stupid name, that's one of the reasons why I love Guns N' Roses. Like Machines, and that's, I know that's not the, that wasn't the original name, so I, no, yeah. it was, the, it was the Stirs, but now you're, you're Like Machines, how is, how long has Like Machines been, uh, a unit? Uh, we changed just, you know, it's brand new this year, 2019. Right on. Uh, we were the Stir for probably... 
four years, toured as the Stir, and um, we did a couple of shows with Collective Soul, um, and there's another band from the 90s called the Stir, uh-uh. and, or Stir, and a lot of the Collective Soul fans were expecting that band, and a lot of our links online were going to their page, and we didn't want to have a band name that was already a band, you know, so we thought it was a good idea to start fresh. Oh, that makes sense, for sure. You don't want to have, uh, you ever see that movie, That Thing You Do? You don't want to be called the Oneaters instead of the Wonders? I don't know if you know that reference. <laughs> no, I okay, don't. Okay. How old of a guy are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 940. Oh, sound good for your age. Uh, I'm 25. <laughs> oh, okay. Eh, it's in your ballpark. It's not that old of a movie. I'm 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 going to be 36 uh, next month, so we're kind of in the same ballpark. But yeah. uh, when the rep of of you know how we connect this, she's like she sent me a couple links to your your videos and your songs, and she's like, if you like it, and you know I'm at the stage in my career where I really don't come across too much bad music. Maybe earlier on when I worked in uh, lower markets, you really would get local bands who were you know, God bless mm-hmm. their hearts. They just, you know, they're never going to make it. I, I hate to say that. <laughs> but I was blown away. Like, you have a fantastic voice. Thank you very much. Where, like, What was your, your singing, uh, how was your singing uh, style inspired? Because you did mention uh, Collective Soul, and we've had uh, Ed on mm-hmm. the show. But we've also had younger artists, like you've toured with Tyler Bryant in The Shakedown. We've had Tyler on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... It's interesting when we learned how Tyler got his singing style. So you, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to assume anything, but there is, it's not Axel where there's like, you sound like Axel, but you can tell there's a rasp there, but you have a very soulful voice. So it's, a, it's unique to you, but I'm wondering who inspired, you know, the way that you sing and how to do it. Um, Jim Beam. Okay. And Marlboro. No, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, no, I uh, I grew up learning collective soul songs, and I grew up singing and playing guitar, learning a bunch of Ed songs, and then I kind of grew from there. You know, um, I used to sing in in the car. My mom after school would pick me up, and then she'd go shopping or something. So I'd sit in the car, put on CDs, and. Uh, sing to whatever CDs were in there, you know. So I kind of just, uh, and I, you know, I love all of the rock history, you know. So just all over the place. I was singing to a bunch of different kinds of music. Was it? Did you go out and buy uh, a, a Collective Soul, I guess, CD at the time? Because uh, I've often say I got, you know, because you're not born with a musical taste. Uh, at least science hasn't proven that yet. But I know my dad. You know, I'd be in the car with him, and he would put on uh, Q1043, which is crazy enough. I'm working right down the hall from it. And also, sidebar, the fact that you were listening to Collective Soul as a kid and then opening for them must be crazy. Uh, Oh, man, it's unbelievable. But my dad, he was the influence. That's how I got into The Doors and Zaplan and, of course, GNR and a lot of other bands. So was was your mama... A cool rock chick, or, or or what really inspired you to go? Because I don't know, is Atlanta? There's a lot of it's a music, very musical city, right? There's a lot of different ways you can go. Like how? I guess who pushed you the rock yeah. way? Um, well, my I grew up listening to you know the Pearl Jam Ten album and Tom Petty and 
uh, Collective Soul and kind of some of that not as hard 90s stuff. Um, but then I uh, met Tanner. So Tanner and I, Tanner plays bass for Like Machines. Tanner and I grew up together. We went to school together. When I was about in the fifth grade, I started playing guitar. And then Tanner introduced me to Guns N' Roses. Okay. Um, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> no, it kind of changed the course of my focus. <laughs> um, so that was kind of that moment where I was like, okay, well, give me some more of this. You know, then his brother introduced me to Rage Against the Machine, and it just went on and on. Yeah, because you have, because um, I'm a Collective Soul fan my, myself, but you certainly have a a harder tinge to the music, like the GNR and like, and like Rage. So, as a singer, do you act, do you just sit down and listen to, you know, an album, whether it be Axel or, or Zach or Ed Roland, and do you listen to the song, or do you kind of isolate in your brain and just follow along with how the lead singer is doing it? Oh no, I uh, I I love guitar, so I'm I'm always. It just depends on you know the kind of mood I'm in or what I'm trying to write or what I'm working on. You know, am I listening to the guitar solo or am I listening to the arrangement or am I listening to the lead singer? You know, it just depends on kind of what I'm doing in my own life to to you know for whatever I focus on. And you know what? I, I want to know like for for you since you're. I don't want to say you're 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 young where you're you know eighteen nineteen twenty you're you're you know obviously mid twenties and mm-hmm. the way the the music business out uh, is now you don't know how it was when we talk about um, it with older bands how you know labels had all this money and and into you know promotion and actual physical albums it, do you are you aware of that do you, or is this all you know like how like difficult oh, it is to okay because I want to know how difficult it is for you to to get. I mean, obviously you've had some success already to be on some of these tours. Uh, you you went on a tour with a tour with Fozzy with uh, yep. with Chris Jericho, so you're being uh, noticed. And then you, you know you get on Sirius. Is it uh-huh. has it been easy or difficult? Because you are getting tastes of success, but obviously you're, you know you're not headlining yet. Sure. Um, it's certainly not been easy. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what it was like and I don't know what it was like for Ed to come up in the music industry and make it and be successful or Slash or Axel or any of those, you know, um, but you know, it's, I think it's similar, you know, it's like, okay, well let's write some fucking songs. Okay. Let's, you know, make them good. Okay. Well let's tour or, uh, hopefully a label signs us. Hopefully, you know, a manager can, see us somewhere you know so, so it's it's kind of the same thing uh it's who you know chance how good you are you know there's all this crap sure um do you have uh, a uh is there a um because i've had to think about this for you know it took me uh seven seven and a half years to get full-time in radio and that's because i went the the on-air route you know being on fm stations and that's just more difficult than being a board op, but there are less opportunities to do that. And I would always think to myself, if I don't make it by the time I'm 28, I, I actually gave myself, so I was 28 and a half when I got it full time, <laughs> like uh-huh. what, what my backup would be. And it would just depress me because I know I wouldn't want to do anything else. Do you even think about that? You know, um, what if it didn't 
Uh, yeah, I do. And then I'm like, okay, well, I can always just kill myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's okay. No, I, I work for a, an awesome a music production company that I'm very happy to work for. So um, I'm surrounded by music and uh, my day job. And, and so, um, you know, it would be nice to get some real success, but I'm around music regardless. So Right on. And that's how I felt where, you know, while it took me seven and a half years, I was still around doing radio things, you know, even though I wasn't uh, a Ryan Seacrest yet. Or I'm still not, but <laughs> but you know what I mean. My my barber actually used to cut his hair. That's funny you said that. He went oh. to the high school like I grew up next to. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah. He uh, sometimes, because uh, he's usually in L.A. doing his radio show, but sometimes he uses our studios here in, in Tribeca just as a quick cool. sidebar. And uh, he has famous hair. It's very precise, so good for your friend. <laughs> Ernie. Ernie's the guy that cuts it. All right. Well, if I wasn't bald and I was local, I would go to him. But <laughs> both of those things <laughs> don't aren't, aren't on the checklist. Uh, so, you know what? I think I, I went over it before. Um, talking about, like, you're in the car with your mom listening to music. Yeah. Uh, were they or are they supportive of it? Because I'm fortunate that my parents were uh, supportive because radio doesn't – not everyone makes Howard Stern money. You know, it's it's difficult. Sure. So are they supportive of, of you living your dream? Um, they say – they are supportive, but they say, you know, this isn't what we would choose for you and mm. things like that, which is hard for a parent to – I guess I'm not a parent, so I don't know. <laughs> but, you know um, – and the rock and roll lifestyle. Okay, yeah, my son's just going on tour for three months, and you know what I mean. It's kind of it's. They would have rather me gone to college and gotten a desk job and just been more quote unquote secure. Um, and but, I get it. They're they're you know they're parents. They they want to make sure you're you're okay. But you know it when you make it uh, big, they will you know owe you a big apology. <laughs> When you get by yeah, the house, yeah. When I'm house. their hospice bills, they'll be fucking. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You have a great sense of humor. Does that go into your, into your music? Tell me about like like machines. What do you, what do you write about? Because I want people to check out the music videos, which are very high quality and well done. So, uh, what is the the material that you you write about? Uh, you, tell tell you about the material. Yeah. What like what do you? What's the subject matter of your lyrics? Okay. So well, we've released two songs so far um two singles off of the coming album the first one we released back in april called kaiser um that is about that is just about war in general kind of a, a look at history and a look at the future you know this is what we do this is what we've always done this is what we're probably going to continue to do and here's a song about it. You know, that's kind of it. Okay. Um, what's what's the other two? Because those are the ones I listen to, of course, because those are what's, yeah, what's out yeah. now. Destitute is a song kind of about, you know, dichotomies in, in populated or overpopulated areas like homelessness. Uh, um, so I love, I live in Atlanta and I love to go to San Francisco. Both cities are very... Um, have a high homeless population, and it's very visible. Mm. Um, so, you know, I seeing that a lot and thinking about it a lot. Um, I, you know, I wrote a song about it. Um, 
and that's destitute. I think that's that's awesome because you were talking about real life issues and and heavy subject matter, and you're you know on the younger side to to take that weight on and, and to know that that's important to talk about. That you're not just talking about you know singing about drug, sex, and rock and roll. You're talking about real shit. That right. Well, in my past life, life I was an Egyptian slave, so uh, okay. you know I know this, I know about these things. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, you could have had me. You never know. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to tell you that you weren't. I don't have that that knowledge. <laughs> uh, what? Um, I guess what inspires you to, like to to want to do that? Are there other issues that you want to write about, or are like have been? Yeah, I, mean, I, I like to write about meaningful things, heavy things. You know, I I, I don't really um, feel passion for writing lyrics about. Drugs or sex or easy things, easy topics, women, you know, things like that. I, I'd rather talk about things that have weight and meaning and, and that, you know, could possibly make somebody think about a subject matter or, or something like that. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the the reasons why, you know, this listener base and it, what's been great is I've gotten messages, people saying that I'm not even like a big Guns N' Roses fan, but I like how you talk about them because they will talk about the heavy subject matter, you know, Chinese democracy or, you know, civil war. Yes, they have the it's so easies of the world, but they have a, I guess, a nice balance. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, civil war is a great song. What are you, I guess, since this is a, you know, GNR podcast, what would you, what would you say your favorite GNR song is or perhaps the one that inspired you uh, the most? Man, I love it so easy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I you know, uh, Night Train is great. Um, so the I I didn't get introduced to like Appetite or Lies or I got introduced to the greatest hits. So you know, I, I, my first song I heard I think it was Welcome to the Jungle and then Paradise City. Um, but maybe 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 right now it's it's so easy. It's just. You know, the bass comes in hot, and the guitar solo just fucking wails. So I'm going to go ahead and say that. Right on. And that's something that we do like talking about, that they're in this pocket of time where you can be somebody older. Because I, I don't know, my, my GNR came into my consciousness when they were already broken up. I, I of course, get to see them in the, you know, late 80s. I would have been, uh, you know... Seven going to a good GNR concert. That's not going to happen. Uh, right. But what's so we we find out about the older people though that were there even at the beginning stages and in Hollywood Rose, and then mm-hmm. the people maybe like me who got them into them a little bit later on in life, or others who found them through Chinese democracy or through the best of. That that's good to know. That's how you were introduced to them, and you kind of went deeper after that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which is uh pretty pretty badass. Have you seen them uh, live yet? And if if so or if not, what is the best live show uh, concert that you've been to? I did see them. I caught them at um, the Georgia Dome maybe two three years ago. Nice on on that uh, not in this lifetime tour, but uh, that was the first time I'd seen them, and it was awesome. You know, first time I'd seen Slash play the guitar live. I was like, you know, it was great. Um, the, the the coolest, the most rock rock concert I've ever been to, I think. Um, you know, it's a tough question, but I think it's got to be Queens of the Stone Age at Red Rocks. Mm. Wow. 
That's yeah, it was a, pretty crazy. I'm, I'm, I'm jealous because, A, I haven't seen them. Uh, but Red Rocks, I've heard so much about that venue, and that's just, uh, I think it's a destination to see a place. Oh, yeah. I mean, half the time you're looking at the band, half the time you're looking at the venue. <laughs> I felt that way last night at Pier 17 in, in NYC, which is a newish venue because you're overlooking the entire city. You get to see, you know, the Brooklyn Bridge in the background. It's it's crazy. So, you know what? Let me oh. ask you then, because we have listeners all over um, mm-hmm. uh, all over the states, and, and I don't know if you've toured uh, abroad yet, uh, but what venue uh, do you think you like the best? Like, what venue do you think is uh, has been the coolest that you've played at? Or even, you know, played at or, or seen a show at that you aspire to play at? Sure. Um, I think the coolest I, I've played at is First Avenue in Minneapolis. Hmm. Uh, that's the stage Prince built for his Purple Rain movie. Um and everybody's come through there. Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine. I mean, they got all the all the names on the wall. Hmm. Um, so that was a really cool experience to play there. Um, you know, I'd love to play Wembley. <laughs> right on. But, uh, yeah, you, you'll yeah. get there. But uh, as I'm sure you'll know, you will need more than two singles. So when when can we yeah. expect the uh, the album? And tell me uh, everything that's. The, to come with like machines yeah um so we are in the process of recording the entire album we're kind of releasing the songs as we record them that's cool um yeah so we're releasing the third single on september 6th uh it's a song called run hide and that is a song kind of about mm, drug addiction if you have ever Love somebody or you know had a friend that went through you know something like that absolutely no we, that's something else we talk about a lot i've talked spoken about my uh addiction history almost uh four years sober from alcohol you know people i've oh, lost thank you it's uh it's been a rough road but my life is certainly better so that's no that's an, another topic that not only <laughs> we touch but gnr touches as well so very uh relatable right um, so that'll be out September 6th. Um, we got the video following that, I think, a week later or two weeks later. Um, and then I think this, the album right now, the album is 10 songs. Um, you know, it's not to say it could be 12 if we come up with random shit out of our ass. <laughs> um but, yeah, so that'll be out hopefully in 2020 once we start hitting the road pretty hard. Okay, cool. And speaking of which, because I, I saw uh, a couple dates on on your mm-hmm. website, right? So, what, North Carolina and Pensacola, Florida coming on, coming soon? Yeah, we're opening for Avatar. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, the Swedish metal band in Charlotte and Pensacola. Yeah, and then we've got... Another date, which I can't announce yet, but it's uh, in Atlanta on November 29th. Right on, right on. And the best way, uh, I'm assuming, to you know keep up with you, and it's awesome that you're doing a video for for every song. I mean, imagine if we GNR fans, like I think we're still waiting for the better video to come out. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the best way to reach you though is uh, Twitter, social media, both uh, like at Like Machines and what Like Machines Music dot com or yeah, Like Machines Music dot com and at Like Machines ATO right. Um, and you know all of our stuff on our website. 
social media, tour schedules, media, uh, whatever. Everything's on there. Awesome. <laughs> well, I, I want you to keep in touch because, uh, I, again, and I'm not I'm, you know, blowing smoke. I'm not making it up. I, I dig your tunes that are coming out. You have a great voice, a great sound. I love what you know the videos are about and the subject matter. And I've often complained. I'm like, I have no new music really to listen to. That's why. Right. I mean, last night was great. I mean, it was yeah, of course Ringo, but you had uh, Greg Raleigh singing original Santana songs. Uh, Colin Hay doing Men at Work. I got to see uh, from a land down under song with Ringo on drums. I mean, it was just bananas. <laughs> but yeah, I can't keep talking about Men at Work <laughs> for the rest of my life. I need to talk more about Like Machines and of the like. So uh, keep us updated, and uh, we'd love to have you have you back, Andrew. And especially if you're yeah, ever so. in, in New York, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely go out and see a show. Yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, we'll get up there often. Awesome, man. A- Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Cool kid. You can kind of tell, I don't want to say kid, uh, God, I'm getting old, but really nice guy, Andrew Evans, and honestly, check out Like Machines. They are a rockin', and I can't wait to see uh, where they where they go. And you can tell, you know, he said this to me before, that they're just now starting, you know, to do interviews, and it's it's cool to see a band start out and, and, and shape and not become as polished in doing interviews, which you, you hear all the time. It it's not so much as a of a interview with with certain artists as it's just a kind of like a, a talking press release. Where's the conversation? So and that's very hard. That's very hard, especially when you know you're not in the studio. You're you don't. I don't really send questions ahead of time. It's just a conversation. I may you know hit on on certain topics I want to touch on, but that's about it. But uh, it's going to be great to see where like machines uh, heads to. Now let's kind of just move down the metaphoric couch from guest one to guest two. Now, uh, this is just awesome, this opportunity to speak with Jeff Goot, the lead singer of Stone Temple Pilots. And I was really excited about all your reaction uh, on social media when I announced. So I'm going to get to your questions. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? I really appreciate you you taking the time today. I know it's uh, it's quite a busy time for you, uh, Mr. Goot, going on right now. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Happy to be here. I had a, I guess you would call it a, a tour mate of, of of yours now. That was my weird segue into uh, talking about the Rival Sons <laughs> tour. <laughs> I had Mike Miley on uh, several ep- episodes ago. He was so cool. Uh, him and I bonded over baseball and sports. So I'm curious, other than music, have you hung out with the guys from Rival Sons? How did that tour come together because that's a massive uh two punch of a headline yeah actually i just met them for the first time when we were overseas and I think we were in europe or uh spain we played a, we played a festival in spain together uh, that's the first time i got to meet them but um, i mean i love their records i mean I, that song with jordan was just i love that song it's just so amazing i probably listened to her a thousand times nice yeah, they're they're one of the the younger bands, and it's great with the, the Stone Temple Pilots, the marquee, the name to bring along. I would like to, I don't want to call them up and coming rival sons. I want to say that they're established, but they are the second coming of of rock. Do you have, I guess, an opinion upon you know that you are working with a catalog that's already established, 
not, you know, of course, you have the new record, but you have an established uh, amount in the bank, and then a new band. Do you uh, how do you how do you look at that? Uh, do you look at it as like an old band and a new band getting together, or two new bands going forward? What? To me, their their sound is like they sound like they have old souls. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. have that. They have a, a throwback. They have a throwback sound that people don't do anymore. You know, that's like to me, it's like the best of like seventies rock. You know, when when music was real and you know, I mean, it's just they they have that vibe about them, and that was that was the thing that attracted me before to them before I even knew who they were or that, or that we'd be touring together years ago. You know, so um, yeah, I, I mean, they're they're phenomenal. I love them. And uh, of course, uh, Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, what 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 can you say about the band that hasn't been uh, documented before? And you being such a, a great choice of of a frontman, I can't wait to see you. I'm such a bad New Yorker because uh, I have yet to go to Coney Island in general. What if you can believe it? Uh, let alone the amphitheater, which you are going to be playing with uh, Rival Sons in September. Is there a a particular stop you're really looking forward to? Um, well, I mean, I'm, I get to play my hometown, and, and uh, the the venue we're playing in Detroit is literally like maybe two miles from my mom's house. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I'll be, uh, I'll be like, if you guys need me, I'll be like, you know, on my feet up and eating my eating my mom's food, you know. So uh, <laughs> um, that one that one's always good, but you know, it, it, it's it's give and take. It comes with the bad because you know everyone's hitting you up trying to get tickets, and I mean, my mom pays for tickets, so I mean, <laughs> really, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of my answer. It's, that's always my answer back. Yeah, she was she was pays for them ahead of time. I was like. I was like, hey, I can get you tickets. She's like, I already got them. I'm like, oh, well, all right. That's a great so, mom. Cause it she... helps out. Yeah. It helps out when people are always, you know, looking for looking for freebies, you know. Sure. I mean, she could guilt you. She'd be like, I raised you. I fed you. You know, I wipe <laughs> your, your butt in the diaper. You're not going to give me free tickets? Yeah. Uh, but not, that's awesome. That actually made me think of when I, I posted, because I like to get listener uh, questions when I have an uh, upcoming guest. And, you know, it was so nice to see the majority of the comments that I got when I announced you was loved him before he joined STP. And a lot of me too's, I'm from Michigan as well. So what does that mean okay. to you? I guess both people that have just been a fan of yours since you, since your start, really. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, had, I signed my first deal in like 2000. So, I mean, um it's been a long road, <laughs> a lot, you know, a lot more downs than ups. But uh, you know, like like everyone always says, it only takes one yes, you know. And yeah. and I happen to be I happen to be in my forties when that happened. But uh, I'm glad it happened the way it did, you know. And 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 to have people supporting me throughout that that time was it means a lot, you know. Especially when uh when you know it's not about um you know how many records did you sell this year, but people would buy my records, you know when I was just making them for fun and uh, when there was no monetary reason to make them, you know? Um, so that, that really uh, helped me realize what it's all about. You know, it's all about, it's all about the songs. It's all about um, songwriting and, and taking people on a journey. And, and, uh, and that, that really helped me when, when I joined Stone Temple Pilots. There's all that, all that time I spent recording for no reason. <laughs> I, I guess it was for a reason after all. So. Absolutely. I know what you're saying, because I, you, I know you do a lot of these interviews, and I'm just a voice over the, the radio, but I want to get you, know, you to know that I understand that. Being in radio, I had just spoken to, uh, right before this, Andrew from Like Machines, and I was mentioning how it took me seven and a half years to get full-time on the radio. Uh, I can get radio jobs, you know, behind the scenes, but to be, to be 
paid to be on the radio. And, and same thing now with, with a podcast, which I'm doing this for fun. While I do work at iHeartRadio, I'm not getting uh, paid for it, uh, not yet. But it makes you feel good, like you've earned it. You weren't an overnight success. Like you know the the hard work that goes into everything, right? Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and, and there's something to be said about paying your dues, um, even if you do it uh, willingly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and you end up doing things for all the right reasons at the in the end as opposed to all the wrong reasons if it would have happened right away for you, you know. And I, I, I believe that it's the case for, for me as it is for many other people, you know. Um, when, when, you, when you have that success and, and you're not grounded in the beginning, it can uh, you can get off the rails a little bit. And did it get, because you mentioned um, 40s when you quote-unquote made it, and I got full-time when I was 28 and a half, so I actually gave myself a 28 uh, age limit. Otherwise, I'd have to consider another career. Uh, but for me, I you mentioned more lows than highs. I've dealt with depression. You know, I still deal with it, and I've, you know, uh, I've dealt with addiction, and you know, I've come out, thankfully, the other side. Was that ever a battle for you, or you kind of just always sense that one day it's going to happen? One day I'm going to be in a good place, or was it was it more difficult than that? Yeah, it was definitely more difficult than that because um, you know I, ha- I had a son when I was in my 30s, so you know I had to I had to be a dad, and but uh, me walking away from the music industry at a certain point in my life, and just going and playing clubs so I can pay my rent. Um, that was very humbling experience, and um, and it lasted a while. But uh, it, it would, by, by having my son showing him music the way my father showed me music is what made me realize that it's it, that the people that 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 sell music don't own it. You know, it's a uh, it's it's owned by everybody, and and I wasn't going to let them take that from me. So I decided, you know, I, I mean, whether I ever quote-unquote make it or not you know i made it a long time ago when i when i realized that i'm a musician and and i and put my heart and soul into it and i feel like i just you know in that in that respect it takes takes the world time to catch up to you as, as opposed to you catching up to it you know and um that's really that's really kind of how i felt about it and then you know i had i, I was like well what's the, what's the best way to do this being that i was 36 i'm like you know what i'll just go on one of those singing shows because <laughs> if anyone can do it i can and uh if i can and it was a five million dollar record contract sitting at the end of it for me so i was like you know I, i'm gonna give that a shot and see, see what see where the chips land you know might as well and they landed in, in in quite a quite an order and i'm gonna be 36 in about a month so you know me trying to think about what you were going through at that age uh you're obviously in a, in a great place now though and everything you know they say it happens for a reason and who knows what will happen in the future but at the moment with this uh upcoming tour and you're still of course promoting the the self-titled record can we talk about what the set list looks like or is that a spoiler alert um what what, what can we expect with the, these upcoming shows with the rival sons from stp uh well i mean it's nothing set in stone yet but um I, i'm sure it'll be a mix of both i mean because you know at the whole the point of of continuing sensible pouch is to keep making new music and to keep writing as it's from what I've been told by them, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a mix of everything, just because you know it's we, we want to pay, you know, we want to pay tribute to the past and and really um, do that justice, but at the same time move forward. And and um, so I'm not sure how many new songs will be on there, but um, we've been doing two lately. Maybe we'll get a couple more in there. We'll see. 
Awesome. And that was a question on Facebook from uh, Matt Bellevue. I want to make sure I give credit. Uh, this is also an yeah. interesting... Shout out to Matt. <laughs> this is also an interesting question. This is from uh, Kim Larson also on on Facebook. Will there be any sort of documentary made? Uh, perhaps like uh, with some kind of monster with Metallica? Because when they introduced a new member, we really got to learn about him through the documentary. Is there anything like that in the works? Um, I mean, there were always cameras around, and I've, I've heard rumblings of things, but I would, I'm absolutely the wrong person to ask on that. I have no idea. All right, no. <laughs> I would love for there to be. It would be great. Well, because there, there was a moment when um, when I was auditioning for the band still, and we did a private showcase for industry and family and people like that, and um, Chester actually asked me if he could come, which was really cool of him to do. Um, so I put him on my list and the band was going over the, li- the guest list. They're like, how the hell do you know Chester? And I'm like, I had to go through the whole story. And, uh, <clears throat> and he came and I brought him up on stage and did a song with the guys. And, and it was a really magical moment. And he handed me the mic at the end and he said some really nice things. And, um, mm-hmm. I'm just hoping that I'll see the light of day sometime, you know, cause, uh, it was a real, really cool moment for not only for the band, but probably for all the fans of Chester as well, you know, to see him, um, get up there it was it was you know before the before the lincoln park record came out so it was okay a, i can't remember november november-ish maybe of uh 16 maybe i don't know something like that oh that's well uh, for sure and i know you have limited time so i don't want to overwhelm you with my uh story but we we talk about chester a lot on this podcast and and scott mm-hmm. wyland and chris cornell because i you know i lost my dad uh basically the same way and when yeah, these i mean you know Seeing it in the news and having people talk about, you know, what goes on with mental health, all on social media, it's it, it's a lot. I mean, is it? How have you been able to handle it when when the press is talking about your friends when they they're no longer there to defend themselves? And if you're uncomfortable answering that, I, I, I understand. No, no, not at all, not at all, not at all. I just I feel like that the, there's a stigma that comes with with with. That people think you're weak if you if you go to get help for something, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like that's that should that should be seen as a strength. So that way, more people would do it. You know, I mean, it, it goes it goes into everything in our in our society that people you know um, are very judgmental of, of of things, and and they'll hide things when they when they when they're having problems just because they're so afraid of the backlash. When you know, I think if if it was more open and and, and people were more inclined to uh, to to love each other and help each other, then it would it would definitely help a lot of these people out in, in their journey of trying to get to get better, you know. And um, it's a it's it's not something that um, that should be considered weakness at all. Agreed. No, totally agreed. I, I talk about therapy, and you know, I'm on 40 milligrams of Cymbalta, so <laughs> that's part of my my <laughs> shtick. Um, is there any? Because you're what you've your current role is challenging in many ways, bouncing off of you know all the the social media, how people could judge you. That's why I will forever be a fan of yours, just for wearing "Hi, my name is Jeff," you know, on your first show, which is just such a great way to introduce yourself. But it's a similar situation almost to Alice in Chains. Um, this was also from from Kim. Is there a story about you almost joining Alice in Chains as well? No, well, it's it's a diff- it's a different than people think. I, I was um, I was really good friends with John Karabi, who was the guy that that took uh, Vince Neil. Sure, he's been on the show. Mm-hmm. But he was, yeah, he was uh, he was working, uh, you know, along with the the dry cell guys when I was doing that, and um, 
And uh, I ran into him at a club once, and he was playing in a cover band. And he and at the time, he was doing a thing called Cardboard Vampire, I believe. And it was basically, it was Alice in Chains with John Karabi singing, and they were opening up festivals. And, and I ran into Karabi, and he was like, dude, you think you could fill in for me at the for the vampire thing? I'm like, uh, yeah, because if <laughs> I can get in the room and just sing with these guys, I'll I'll get the gig, you know? It's kind of like how I felt with Stone Temple Pilots, mm-hmm. you know? And um, he goes, well, Jerry's right behind you. And I was like, what? So I tell him that's the first time I met Jerry Cantrell, and, and he took my number and paid for my drinks the whole night and was... He was like, man, you really remind me of Lane. I was like, well, I don't know. I don't know if that's a compliment or, uh, you know, but uh, wow. um, he never called me. And, uh, <laughs> I was like, if he would have called me and I went and did that, there would, things might have worked out differently. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I joke with them now because I actually just saw them in Detroit uh, like a week or two ago. And um, I'm really, really good friends with Mike Inez. And um, so I'm always, you know, saying hi to those guys and, Give him a little, give him a little poke every now and then. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is what you missed out on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Will, Will's great. I mean, I love Will. Oh, for sure. So he's amazing. So yeah, and he's a good guy too. And so, yeah, much oh. respect to them. Awesome. Uh, one more quick question. This is from uh, Chad Bruce. Any chance of a live DVD in the future? Um, yeah, I'm sure there is. I mean, we did the live, uh, we did the live vinyl, and uh, I'm sure that that's definitely possible. I mean, I, I have. I have a little uh, computer things for for a lot of the live shows we've done. I can make one myself, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. Just because um, I mean, uh, I mean, it's all over YouTube too, though. You know, it's, it's stuff's everywhere. But um, I'm sure, yeah, we could do that. Sure. Awesome, Jeff. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you in uh, Cody Island. Yeah, man. I'll see you. Come say hello. What a cool guy. I definitely want to have Jeff on. Again, there were a lot of your questions I didn't get to, but time kind of ran out, and I wanted to be uh, respectful of the next uh, interview that he has because I am a professional. That is how I operate, and I wanted to make sure we talked about uh, – he spoke about his new tour was Rival Sons and just rooting for Rival Sons. Ever since, since that interview with Mike Miley, just rooting for him. That's what I love about doing this podcast. I could be fans of, of the music. But meeting the people, it just really gets me emotionally invested in the person and wanting to, them to succeed in life. And, and and on that note, because I may have said it on the podcast before, at the time when Stone Temple Pilots were looking for a lead singer, I guess I felt uncomfortable, for lack of a better word, because as a fan, I thought it was too soon to move on from Scott. However, you know, you, you kind of take a step back and – Going through what I've gone through personally, you kind of understand. Sometimes you you just have to have to get right back on the horse. You just have to do it, and if you you find the right person to kind of make this project right for you, there's no timetable for what, for when it's good for you. So, you know, just happy for the uh, the Layer Brothers and uh, the Stone Temple Pilots uh, catalog continuing, and not just um, you know them going out and playing the the songs that they wrote. But to but to go forward and see what this next chapter brings, and that's why I love what uh, Alice and Chains is doing. And you know these these people have left us, Scott Weiland and Lane Staley. There's nothing that we can do. Um, it's like what we I spoke about with with Christopher Thorne about Blind Melon. You know, uh, Shannon's gone, and these people have a right to continue their their profession. Their 
their love for the music that they created and want to continue to create. So just uh, great for them. All right. So let's do this real quick before we get out of here. News. Shotgun News brought to you by AlternativeNation.net. Now, you may want to read the thread if you could follow along with it on MindGNRForum.com. I know GNR Central has put out an article with attached with the screen grab that we GNR fans have been reduced to finding. I, I don't even want to say new music or the leaks of the Chinese sessions. I think it was just rehearsal footage or maybe even just like a live recording of It's So Easy from recent years. And it was put on Pornhub. If you're not familiar, it's a pornographic website where you can uh, look at naked things and touch yourself. I don't. <laughs> it's, I I don't even know what to say. Like, is this for like for real? I know we GNR fans are are struggling with keeping our fan made videos and content of the band online, uh, specifically on YouTube and on Twitter, due to some takedowns. Um, but just think of the mindset. To go through, like, you know what? I know what to do. I'm going to put this on the same page where you can see Asian girls do it with uh, 25 black guys. <laughs> and some of them have the most ridiculous titles, too, because they you know, they can't just put GNR song on, on Pornhub. To, it would easily be found. Interesting and sad. Very sad. What kind of a mind <laughs> does that, Jesus? <laughs> I, don't, I don't even want to say other than laugh. It's just, uh, it's weird. It's very weird. And part of me hopes the band would say something. I think that would be a cool opportunity for them to say something or, I don't know, maybe release a video for them to release the better video on Pornhub. <laughs> Who knows? God. Man, doing a Guns N' Roses podcast has become so much more uh, than I ever thought possible. I'm not even talking about like the interviews I've gotten, just with the all the craziness behind the scenes and I... I wish I could talk to you about everything. I, w- I wish I can get to that level where, uh, yeah, I try to do an episode a week. This particular week is I'm going to give you more, more on that in a second. Uh, but if I did something more regularly or even take calls, because I like getting conversations with you on Facebook and on Twitter, uh, both at the AFD show. Um, it, so we'll see. So it, uh, what my success depends on is and and has been based on you, all of you who've been amazing, whether it's retweeting, sharing, uh, telling other friends, because I'll see you comment on a, a Facebook post and you'll, you know, you'll tag your friend like you can do, uh, like you, you're all aware of, regardless of where you live. I love seeing that. Tell your friends about an appetite for distortion. Uh, I love being as accessible to you as I am, because uh, you don't see that often, I think, in any form of customer service <laughs> uh, that's always kind of bothered me in radio uh it, it's been frustrating with the band i guess uh at, at times but that's not really why i i started doing this uh certainly no mission to uh interview or expectation that's probably the best word expectation to interview the actual members of of guns and roses when i started this uh richard fortis was great the one minute of dizzy reed was great but it's been the ability to make connections to people like Andrew Evans today, like Jeff Goot, like uh, 
you know, Mike Fasano, like all these people and just find out what makes them tick and all about their lives and what we can relate to. So it's been awesome when I get these all these wonderful messages and, and guest suggestions from you. So let's keep uh, let's keep doing it. Let's keep moving this forward. Tell people about it. And again, if I've said this before, if you have any issues with any audio, uh, if you can't find it, I have everything. I have all the files, at least the audio, so I can. I have no problem just sending you the audio, the actual audio file in mail, because I want you to enjoy the episode. And all I ask for in return is a a Facebook like <laughs> or a Twitter follow. That's it. That's it. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, on the way, pretty cool. Tomorrow, as I'm recording this, Bobby Jean Brown, cherry pie. That's all I need to say. And also, at the end of the week, Missy Suicide from the Suicide Girls. So excited to be making that happen. Stay tuned. Follow us on social media for all the best updates. So when will you see the next episode? New words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy. I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. Security, I'm going home.